I want to start with the scripture that we've been rehearsing and possibly even memorizing through the course of our all-church study. Everyone is participating in this same lesson in all the classes and in every forum. Before we read it together, Luke chapter 6 verse 48, I want to offer the implication of the scripture. Here's the implication of the scripture. This particular scripture is is an analogy. And while it is set in it in a uh, in a descriptive tone, Luke six and forty eight pay particular attention to this. It is it is more than just a figurative declaration of Jesus Christ. It is the real life enactment that happens in us because we are all building a home. We're building our life. And it depends, your stability depends on how you build it. You won't know if you're strong or if you're weak until there is trouble headed your way. I didn't know if I was strong. Sometimes I got through some things and I couldn't believe it. It, it, was, it was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. And, and it showed me that there was some stability in me. And at the same token, there were things I thought I could easily make it past. And I did not make it past that so easily. It was much more egregious than I predicted. Success does not reveal who you are. Unless it drives you from God. But tragedy, tribulation, struggle, heartache, distress is often the fire that brings out qualities in us that we didn't know was there for the good or for the bad. So here's the scripture. He is like a man which built a house. This is your life. He digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. Watch the scripture. You didn't find the rock until you dug down. Because the rock is hidden. It's always hidden. The greater things of God are always found in your effort. When Jesus spoke parables, he said, you know, I'm, I'm speaking these ways. So those who are not believers, they'll see and they won't see. They'll hear and they're not going to hear. The parables was a cloaking device for those who did not have a heart for Jesus Christ. So you're going to find the rock. You're going to have to dig. You have to dig. This is the pathway. This is, uh, this is the order of the Lord. Search me. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Why would the scripture tell us to seek the Lord? Why isn't he just right out in the open? This is the effort and the will. Because you are a free moral agent, there is a demand on you, there's a demand on me to seek for the Lord. If you were not a free moral agent and did not have a will, then he could, then he could reveal himself in, in, in your path 
and of course it would make no difference to your future. But because you are a living soul, when he breathed the breath into Adam, he became a living soul. That means the breath of God imparted an eternal substance that would not die, because God cannot die. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, the Bible says he gave up the ghost, because that part of Jesus Christ that was God, manifest in the flesh, could not die. So in death, there was a separation between the eternal spirit and the body. Are you still with me? We're on the scripture. I haven't even gotten past the first line, and, I, and I'm all excited. He laid the foundation, and when the flood arose, and the stream beat the himalaya upon that house, it could not shake it, for it was found upon a rock. So this was... This was really a, this was a forecast of what the believer should, uh, should desire and, and should work for. We're, we're on page, if you have your book, we're on page 61. There are five lessons in this series. If you have a book, you would, you, you would know this, but if you don't, let me help you with this. The first lesson was called The Voice. We're, where we talked about the word of God. Um, the second lesson was prayer. The third lesson tonight is fasting. Um, why fast? Why starve yourself to death? Why would you ever do that? Why go without food? Um, the four, fourth lesson is about giving, and the fifth lesson is communion. Two weeks from now, I'll, I'm going to teach the fifth lesson, communion. So there's five, there's five subjects and these are staples, this is a good part to write down, staples of the life of a believer, or staples of the believer's life. Five staples of the believer's life. Three of them are daily routine, routines, or constant. Two of them you can put um, infrequent. Let's do this again. So the word... The voice, prayer, fasting, giving, and communion. Three of the five are daily routines, or ought to be daily routines. Two of the five are infrequent, or I call them as oft as you do them. Okay? So, let's figure out what, 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 what three belongs, where they belong. Prayer in the morning sets the tone for your life and your day. I was talking to... Uh, uh, Roman, Reagan, and Alexandra at the table, we were talking about this. When should you pray? And they said, well, we like to pray toward the evening or in different places. And I encouraged them, just have a little prayer in the morning. It starts your day. Uh, even David said, early will I seek thee. Because that prayer in the morning actually becomes the filter by which everything is going to flow through. So, so prayer is a staple. Bible reading is that another daily routine and giving. Now giving doesn't always mean just money. There's other things to give. You give time, effort, energy, serving, giving. Those are three things that ought to be daily routine for a believer. I, I, wanna, I want to back up and just say <laughs> the most important things in your life are not flashy, nor are they profound in, in the way that we consider profundity? That's right. Every day, a do, daily routine. If I took one piece of paper 
any child could tear that piece of paper. But if I add one piece of paper every day for a thousand days and put them together, it's hard to tear that. Because line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. It's, it's what Jeff Olson wrote about called the slight edge. It's the idea of compound interest. Over time, it builds up. If you don't know the culture of new life, let me just add a little portion of your understanding of the culture of this, this house. It's one good moment upon another good moment. It's one good church service upon a good prayer meeting. It's one good fellowship time upon another great children's service. It's one layer upon another layer. We're not looking for the quantum leap. We're looking for the steady increase every day of our lives. We're not even looking for the external. We're looking for the internal. Out of the internal comes the external. We're not looking for a thousand people. We're looking for one and two that will agree. One puts a thousand a flight. Two puts 10,000 a flight. Why is it? Because when we grow internally, we will naturally grow externally. I'll say this even in my many years of college. When I grew internally and understood, it was more than just writing the right answer on a piece of paper because then I began to accumulate the understanding and not just the right answer. Knowing the right answer is not the same as learning. And so whatever you think of these five lessons whether you find great interest or not, just know this. These are the elements of a stable Christian home, life, walk with God, and whatever ministry that you'll ever have. It's prayer. It's in the word. It's giving on a routine daily basis. And then it's communion that honors the Lord because in communion, we're going to learn about cleaning our lives before we take communion. That means it's introspective. And now here tonight, we're talking about fasting, which is not all the time. It's infrequent, but as oft as he fast, we have to learn something as oft as he fast. And why would you fast? Well, of course, we're fasting because we're building something. We're building something that's that can't be held in a, in a human hand. You're building something that, that, that can't be qualified with material gain. We're building something that, that attends to more than your uh, disposition. It's your spirit. It's your future. It's your life. It's how you as- assume things. We're building a worldview Okay, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here. Um, I, there's a wonderful story in, in, on page 61. I'm, I'm going to, because for this, just for the sake of time, I'll bypass uh, that particular story. But I want to just answer the first question on the next page and why fasting is important. It is an important Christian discipline even now, even today. And this is what Matthew 6 and 16 says, moreover, when ye fast. So if you'll underline the word when, when ye fast. This is an assumption that the believers, the early believers did it. But it wasn't just the believers that fasted. 
fasting was a part of the Jewish life. It was far, part of the Jewish culture, fasting. To fast was what uh, the Pharisees would routinely do, but it was implemented in the church. Now, fasting did not just begin there. In fact, um, the Old Testament is going to declare uh, this fast. And, and fasting is, is a discipline because we're looking for the whole. Everyone say the whole. We're looking for all of it. We're looking for everything. We're not just fasting uh, or praying, rather, for a particular um, uh, miracle to happen, but we're looking for all of it. If prayer was a pie chart and you prayed, if you prayed and never fasted, you would not get all of those prayers answered. The disciples were trying to cast out an evil spirit, and they, they did all the right things, except... When the spirit would not come out, Jesus said, and this is on your handout, Jesus said in Matthew 17, 21, and also in Mark 9, 29, these are, these are two views in the same story. This kind will not go out without prayer and fasting. Or this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. So there are some spiritual battles that cannot be overcome with just prayer. You have to institute fasting. Uh, and that is a humbling experience to fast. Now let me just tell you a little um, working definition that I put on fasting for myself. Uh, incidentally, let me just say, the reason why Jesus was warning them about making a public display in fasting is because the Pharisees were trying to gain popularity and sympathy and they were trying to shine light on themselves by displaying themselves weak, inept, and they would even paint themselves up to look gaunt. Um, there, in 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 a modern time, this was not true of of even the early early Pentecostals in the 19th century and the early 20th century that went on fast and they would declare the fast. They would work and still declare the fast, but it happened somewhere in the 70s and 80s. Uh, to the best of my research, where some men decided that no one should ever say they're on a fast because of the scripture, um, that you're not like a hypocrite of a sad countenance, for they disfigured their faces. And the, and the men who propagated this, this false notion said, don't ever tell anyone you're fasting because you don't want to be like a hypocrite. Well, they misused the scripture. Jesus did not tell us not to tell people we're fasting. Sometimes we declare what we're doing for the faith of another, not for self-glorification. Be careful. Uh, because if you misuse a scripture, you'll create a doctrine that does not exist. And this happens many times because you can't extract a certain portion of it or, or, or think the scripture implies something that it did not say. So the Pharisees wanted to have a sad countenance and they were painting their faces up and they were putting on ashes just so everyone would know what they were doing. They wanted a reward. Look at the scripture. They wanted a reward. They have their reward, Jesus said. Their reward was the acclamation of people. For us to let one another know we're on a fast is not trying, if, if, if your motive is wrong, of course. I mean, if you think that fasting is self-glorification, you're very sadistic. I've been on 11 40-day fasts in my lifetime. I've been on many 30s, 29s, 21s, 14s, 10s, 7s, and 3s 
And incidentally, I fasted breakfast. That really didn't count. I just forgot to eat. My uncle used to say he fasted all night. That's why he was spiritual in the morning. No one ever fasted food they didn't like either, just so you know. It's, if you hate peas, it's not a fast. Now you can say whatever you want, I guess. So I'm just want to, I, I, I want to challenge false notions about fasting. So here's my working definition. Fasting is like riding in the car with God. He's always trying to talk to you. But fasting is what turns down the vol- volume so you can hear him. You do not twist God's arm by fasting. You don't force God to do something by going on a fast. You put yourself in alignment with the Holy Spirit when you fast. Because fasting in its strictest form is denying yourself of the very substance that helps you live. Um, there's, there's a protest uh, that people have, have gone on many times throughout the world and they would not eat in protest. So they would fast and protest and their bodies uh, would become emaciated and, uh, and they could even kill themselves by not eating. There's a point in your fast where you, you stop being hungry and you're weak and you have to be very, very careful how you fast. The longer you fast, the more damage you can do, especially to your eyes and vision. So, Brother Stone King taught me years ago that when I fasted long periods of time, that uh, I should I should take uh, hot tea and put in honey and a hot tea and stir it because honey is the only food substance that does not need to be broken down. Honey is pre-digested food. Isn't that wonderful? They found honey, 3,000-year-old honey, crystallized. They put it in a bowl and melted it, went right back to its form. Because honey goes right into your bloodstream. It doesn't have to go through the whole process of your body. So if you're going on long fast uh, and you need a little strength, uh, you can take you can take a hot tea and put put a couple tablespoons of honey in it and, it, and it'll help you. It raises your blood sugar and it, it helps you immediately. Also, it helps you with your eyes. Are we doing okay? All right. Aren't you excited? Aren't you ready to go fast and, and load up with honey? Okay. <laughs> you, can't, you can't just squirt the honey in your mouth the whole time. You can't walk around. That's not... <laughs> to feed your purpose. <laughs> if you're carrying honey around, say, Pastor told me I'm on a fast. Now look at this jar of honey. Okay. <laughs> I eat the honeycomb too. Just, it's just for my blood sugar. <laughs> There's a problem with fasting, though. It's become obsolete because we've replaced fasting with good intentions. They're not the same because fasting directly affects you. Now, let me just tell you, if you don't eat for a day, you'll be surprised how much more time you have on your hands. You won't even know what to do. There are things you just don't know what to do. And especially in preparation and cleanup. There's, of course, there's no dishes to do. And it's breakfast or it's lunch or it's dinner and, you know, you feel like you want to do something. I mean, every time I'm on a fast, I always go and look in the refrigerator a hundred times a day. I just go check out the food, know it's there. So when I'm off the, off the fast, it'll still be there when I get done. And some of you may like, be like me, you know, you're fasting and all of a sudden, you know, you're somewhere and you start watching the Food Network. I've learned how to cook great steaks, YouTube. I've YouTube during a long fast, I YouTube the entire time how to make a good steak. 
I don't know why I did that, but it's just what happens to my brain. Now, in the, in the New Testament, fasting was just a routine. It was a part of life. If, if you look at your, your handout, it was everyday life. John the Baptist, his disciples were fasting. The multitudes, uh, they fasted. Jesus fasted. Cornelius, which didn't even have an understanding of who Jesus Christ was, he fasted in, in Acts chapter 10. The church in Antioch, which was one of the most powerful churches and launched really a worldwide ministry, they fasted. Paul and Barnabas fasted, so that means the apostles were fasting. Paul taught about fasting to the, to the Corinthian church. This was, a, this was a, a staple of the early church. Now, if we want to go back to early church times, which we should, because the early church was the purest form of what the church, which we would call the apostolic church. And the reason why we call it the apostolic church is because the Bible says Jesus gave them the word and they called it the apostles doctrine. Thus, apostolic comes from the apostles doctrine. So, it, you know, it, it, I'm not, I don't want, to get you, want you to get hung up on a name, but I just want you to know one of the reasons why we would refer to ourselves as apostolic is because we believe in the apostles doctrine, which Jesus gave to his disciples. <clears throat> And within the construct of the early church, they had, they had certain things that they followed. Prayer, they were from house to house and in the temple. So they didn't have just one fixed location. Now part of it was because they didn't have a church building for several hundred years. In fact, I think the church might not have had an actual building for about 300 years. So house churches was very common in the early church. House church. That did not mean that they did not get together. They got together on a, root, on a regular basis. But when the Jews first received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2, they went right back to the temple because that was where they gathered. That's where they read the scripture. In fact, we know the scripture was read because even Jesus went into the synagogue and he stood up for to read, the Bible says, and he read from Isaiah. So Luke 4 shows us that Jesus was also a routine reader of the scroll. In the temple, that's where they read. So, these are things that were common to the early church. They had fellowship, they had prayer, they had community, they had care, they had the scripture. Now, the scripture they had was the Old Testament scripture. They had the Pentateuch, they had the Torah, they had the apostles, they had the Psalms and Proverbs. They had the prophets, both major and minor prophets, and they read them. And they read of them. They declared and proclaimed Jesus. They read where a Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And then they discussed that Jesus was in fact born in Bethlehem. These uh, assisted in the declaration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Which was the death, burial, resurrection preached on the day of Pentecost. Now the reason why we know they use the scriptures to proclaim even baptism. Is because one day an Ethiopian eunuch was reading a scroll standing in his chariot and Philip walked over to him and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he did not understand. He was reading from the book of Isaiah and the Bible says that Philip got into the chariot and he described baptism and the Ethiopian eunuch was so consumed with this that he said to Philip, look, here's water. See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? He did not have Acts 2.38. He did not have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He had Isaiah. I'm going to challenge you. 
go to the Old Testament and teach people that they have to be baptized through the Old Testament. You can do it. It's there. It's there. So this is one of the staples and one of the elements of the New Testament church to abstain from what sustains you. Your next page, we'll, we're going to walk through these, these points here, and I'm going to try to be cognitive of the time. And I'm going to talk about why, we, why should we fast? Why do we fast? In our fasting, we, don't, we shouldn't think of fasting just as something that serves us or something that just is for the benefit of a need. I'm not negating that. There are many ways to serve God. You serve the Lord with your body. The Bible says your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. In preparation for a study, I, I found some doctors. They're not, they're, they don't come from a biblical standpoint, but there is an element of the body in fasting uh, that happens, or, or I'm sorry, a health to the body in fasting that, that people engage in that are not spiritual or believers. They have no connection with God. There's something about taking care of your body. Let me just tell you, you have control of your body. You have one body and you should control yourself. Now we say that to teenagers when they say, I couldn't control myself. And we stop saying that later in life, but you can control yourself. And the biggest thing that, that, that challenges us, maybe the greatest challenge, is food. Food is a challenge. Now, the reason why food is a challenge is because we, we have a sense of food. We have a memory of food. We smell food. There's a taste for it. Uh, it's like a Pandora's box. Once you open it, you know, you have a craving for it. Food. How interesting that God would desire for his people to abstain from the very thing that he allowed almost all of our senses to, uh, to desire. You can hear the crackling of the bacon. You can smell the hot bread coming out of the oven. You feel it to the touch. Um... Uh, a strawberry sundae, uh, a cheesecake. I try to say cheesecake almost every time I preach. Um, you, you have uh, whatever, what, whatever the food your preference is, whatever that is. Uh, one of the ladies in the church made uh, banana bread. Uh, Sister Dewey made banana bread. On the heels of banana bread, Sister Gordon made lemon cake. Um, and, uh, and these are temptations that are unnecessary in our home. <clears throat> you have control of your body. Now, why would we say you should, you should guard your eyes, what you're looking at, make a covenant with your eyes. You should guard your mouth. Let no profane or corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Paul said, except that which is good to the use of edifying. But we would not control what we devour or eat, how much or what we're doing with our bodies. And so fasting is, is going to keep us, but it's not just keeping us, but it's also serving God <clears throat> because it is a declaration 
that we're in control of ourselves. And I feel like there's a resistance here, just as I talk about this. Really. So the first blank is to serve God. The first answer is to serve. We fast to serve God. Here's your attending scripture. She was a widow about four score and four years, 84 years old, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. This was a, this was a point of her serving. So when they brought Jesus to her, she was attuned to the spirit because she was in control of herself. And Paul would write, you, are, you serve whatever you yield your members to. Your members to the flesh or to the spirit. And, and this is critical that we, we include what we're doing with our bodies as members, not just our hands and ears, eyes, and words, maybe. Number two, we fast to receive power from God because in the process of fasting, we are, we are crumbling the desires of the flesh or we're killing the carnal nature. Paul wrote, you have a battle ra- raging inside of you all the time. It's a war. It's a war between good and evil, between the flesh and the spirit, between your carnal mind, which is enmity against God, and the spiritual man. And there's a battle in the tug of war every day. And fasting is what, what, what kills the carnal man, mind and the carnal man and feeds the spiritual man. And so there's a power that comes from, now watch this, not just fasting, it's Fasting doesn't bring, give you power directly. It gives you power because you are killing the fleshly nature and your spiritual nature is rising. When you believe in Jesus Christ, when you repent of your sins, when your sins are washed away, you enter into a different realm. You are not subject to the same elements of this world. Be very careful. Don't compare yourself to the carnal man or the, maybe I should say, to the to the unbeliever. You're living under a different law. God knows what he's doing in your life. If you say, I give my tithes, Bill Gates give nothing. Jeff Be- Bezos has all the money in the world. He doesn't give anything to the Lord. Don't compare yourself to him. David said, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, I almost fainted until I considered their end. Don't compare yourself to them. <laughs> so, when you are fasting, it is, it is the crucifixion of the thing you want most and what you need the most, but it's a declaration. And that declaration is, the spiritual man is going to be strengthened and the carnal man is going to be weakened. I know very few people who have an active prayer life a daily Bible reading gives and periodically fast. I know very few people who, who cannot look introspectively and, and, and work out the issues in their own attitude in their own life. But I know no one who never fasts and doesn't pray who has control of their own tongue and their own desires. Amen. 
I told you that this is not fancy. There's a profundity here, but it's not what you think it is. If I shared you shared with you a revelation uh, and, and some things that happened to me in the last 10 days, it, and I will at some juncture, it'll, it'll, it'll make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up like it did mine. And we want to hear that, but I want to tell you right now, this morning, uh, I, November 1st, when was November 1st? Is that Monday? I finished my one-year Bible on Monday. I got, I got excited. Um, I don't know. We, we went on a little trip. Tammy went on a, we went on a four-day trip a, a month or two ago. And uh, uh, we ate shrimp. Then we read our Bible. We went outside, took a walk. We went we went read our Bible. Uh, then we ate some seafood. Then we, uh, I read, and I just read way too far ahead. And so now Tammy asked me today, she said, what are you reading? Well, I started on back on, on, uh, on the New Testament, but I was also reading some of the Old Testament. So just reading the scripture every day. So this morning I had my cup of coffee. I have my notepad and I have my Bible and that's what I've done. And that's what I do every day. Someone asked me about four weeks ago, when did you start that? And I realized I started that when I was 12. And the program was called Bible Quizzing. And of course, it was one book and I had to memorize it. But I read the same scripture, of course, every day, the same verses every day. But that's when it started. It started when I was 12. So I'll tell you, it's not that I've attained anything. I'm still racing to get wherever I need to go. But try doing this for 30 plus years and then get back to me. You have to have the word inside of you. If you feel like you're weak or you're left out or you're struggling and you're not reading the word, there is no amount of counsel that anyone can give you that will help you. If you feel like you are out of control and you don't go on one day of fasting, there's no amount of counsel that can help you. You get your body under control and you go on a one day fast And you fast that one day. Or you go two days. Or if you can, you go three days. And go on a fast and commit it to God. And you'll serve the Lord with it and you'll have power from it. And watch the third one. You'll have direction. Because direction comes from hearing the voice of God. And we hear the voice of God when we crucify our flesh. Uh, In the... In the Old Testament, there was a scripture in its Isaiah that, that the people were called on a solemn fast to break the yoke. The whole people were called on a fast. And all of Israel went on a fast. And it wasn't just them. Their animals fasted too. Their cattle didn't eat. Their sheep and their goats and their oxen were hungry. Man, when they called a fast, the chickens, nobody ate when, when the people went on a fast. Because there are times when the corporate or the church body needs direction from God. Now the problem with us today is, The church, by and large, here, this church and all kinds of churches are filled with individualists. Especially the American church. Maybe exclusively the westernized thinking churches. Because whatever the directive is from the pulpit, even if it's from the Lord, then we're going to measure it 
by what we think is okay for us personally. So we become individualist. But if we can ever get past that and have unity in the body, this is an amazing thing. I, I talked to someone this week and he was relaying something that, that Billy Cole said to him. <clears throat> and he said, this, the gentleman called me and I don't want to name a whole bunch of names. I don't want you to get tripped up. But in Thailand, there were so many, when Billy Cole was there, there were so many evil and dark spirits. And one time, Billy Cole went into uh, some of the temples and he began to cast out the spirits and the Lord rebuked him. And the Lord said to him, do not cast these spirits out of these wicked temples. And, and Brother Cole said, Lord, why would I not do that? He said, because we don't want them roaming throughout this whole country. You let them be there. We'll enclose them here in these, in these horrible places. And then the men in, in, in America said, how is it that you have so much power over there? Do you pray? How do you pray for the power? And he said, we don't pray for power. And he got this from Brother Teclamarian. Brother Teclamarian had taught him this or said something of this nature. And Brother Teclamarian was an Ethiopian and had powerful. Brother, Brother Teclamarian said this also and then related uh, to the other men and said, we pray for unity because the byproduct of unity is power. And when you have unity, especially in fasting, something happens and we can get perfect direction where the church needs to go. I'm just wondering tonight, when we call for a fast, and I won't call it tonight, but when we call for a fast, I'll even give you two months advancement. In January, we're going to go on a fast. You have two months to eat cheesecake. Control yourself. <laughs> I'm wondering, can we all fast together one day? No. The answer is no. Okay. So just think about it. You have 60 days to plan to go on one day fast as a church together. Now I'm not submitting that your dogs go hungry. You don't feed your cat. Your gerbils. Because you don't know your cat could eat your gerbil and you don't want to do that. I'm off track. But the church is going to need some serious direction. We, we're going to need some major direction that no one is going to be able to think of. But the Holy Ghost is going to have to help us with. We're going to need some direction as to what we ought to do and what we ought not to do. And we can obtain that through the unity in prayer and fasting. Because we want all of it. We, we don't want to leave any prayer answer or answer from God out. Number, letter D rather. We fast to receive anointing from God. Here's your scripture. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul. Now, this is the only time you'll ever read in the Bible where the Holy Ghost spoke. This is the only time. The Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work wherein two I've called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. This was the direction. It did not come just through laying out of hands in prayer. It came through fasting too. Uh, let me just offer this to you. I know that there is various terms being used, and it's in our book, and I'm, I, and I'm fine with it. I'm good with fasting being called in different terms. I just want you to know the strict 
definition of fasting is to go without any food. There, there is a Daniel's fast that's been presented in, I don't know, maybe it's been for hundreds of years, I'm not sure, but that is a fast where you wouldn't eat meat. Um, and then there are other times, and I've even used this, going on a media fast or going dark for a day. Unless you're using your computer or phone for strictly work, it, it, it's, for some people it's easier to go without food than to go without their cell phone. Let me just say, if you're addicted to anything, if you can't stop anything, you need to take a break from that thing. You can tell me, Pastor, now listen, I only drink Folgers in the morning. I have five cups. Is it a sin? No, it's not a sin. Folgers, not a sin. There's other coffees that are a sin, but no, that's not true. (laughs) can you go without it can you take a day without caffeine let me ask all of you Mountain Dew drinkers out there because I love to shame Mountain Dew not Diet Coke mind you just Mountain Dew (laughs) if you can't go without it then you're addicted to it and it doesn't matter if it's food, drink what you're watching or what you're doing you can go without football You can go without NASCAR. Is this sacrilegious? You can go without hunting and fishing. If you can't go without it, then you need to take a break from it. And I call that abstaining. So I think fasting in a strict code is without food. We can implement that word in other areas, but I just want you to, I just want you to know fasting in this area is called abstaining. So if it was a Daniel fast, it's, it's fasting, but it's abstaining from meat. If it's a media fast, it's abstaining from media. If you, if your identity is hung up, men, on your beard, well, there's a lot of sacred cows in this room right now. I am really in trouble. We'll just see if anyone comes back Sunday. Watch this now. Don't let anything get in the way of your command and control and submission. Everything in your life needs to submit. Especially, and here's the big one, your money. I just can't go without it. Yes, you can go without it. You don't understand, Pastor? I've got to have my Starbucks um, caramel mocha whip double cream. I'm in the line, the lady is giving the, I'm, I'm in the line in Java Hope, the lady is telling the, la- the person this description. It's just a mass, it's just a masterpiece description. I don't even know how the, uh, how the barista can even remember. She's telling about the, 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 the mocha and how she wants it. And then the girl gets, and she's saying, and I want this. And then I, she said, and I want a, I want a half shot of, 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 uh, some kind of cream. And she said, no, make it two half shots. I don't know. I just walked right out right then. I said, I can't even stay in this place anymore. (laughs) 
something's eroding the brain here. And it's just, I think it's just mocha. <laughs> you command your money. Yes, you command it. You should not let it dictate you. And you might have to go on a spending fast freeze up. Because you, because the fast is designed to put yourself under control and to control the things that you desire. What is it that you desire? Stop it. Stop doing it. Push the pause button. Go without it. This is a very, this lesson is very difficult for us because we desire certain things and we make allowances for ourselves while judging other people on what they're doing. We judge other people on what they're spending their money on, how they're living, and the same time, we're doing what we think is permissible. We deem something sinful and something's acceptable. Paul said, to me all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. And sometimes he would go around people who had a conviction about eating certain meats. And so guess what Paul would do? He'd stop eating. He wouldn't eat that meat. Because he had something greater than an argument about what he was eating. He was going to spread the gospel and he didn't have time to waste on, a, on an argument that is easily solved by him just not doing that. I, we're just not going to do that. It just, it just took the wind out of their sails. What kind of meat? Are you eating that meat that was offered to idols? Paul said it's all acceptable. And that's what you have to eat. Just eat the meat. We're not worshiping, we're not worshiping that idol because we're eating the meat. Eat the steak. You're hungry, eat the steak. Good for you. But, but if they got a problem with it, no problem. I can go, I can fast all day long because I'm here to spread the gospel. You put yourself under control and guess what you have? The anointing of the Holy Ghost will rest upon you when you put your body and your mind in control. We want the anointing. We pray for the anointing, but we don't prepare ourselves for the anointing. We want, as our good friend Clifton says, we want a T-bone steak revival on a hot dog commitment. We have to use food analogies during the fasting uh, lesson. We desire these things from God. So why would you fast? Look, Paul and Barnabas needed to go somewhere. It was critical that they went. It was going to come with a challenge. And the challenge demanded that everyone had their act together. The challenge. Uh, I was 12 years old and, and, uh, and, and this was a... I don't know what happened. I think the whole family, we were, we all decided to go on some fast. And, and we all fasted seven days. Uh, Dana fasted a day or two. Scotty fasted. Mom and dad fasted. I fasted. We fasted seven days. Every night, I dreamed of, of our, my favorite restaurant at the time. It's no longer my favorite restaurant, but my favorite restaurant at the time was, was uh, Red Lobster. And, um, and, and I dreamed of, of, uh, of crab legs every night of that fast and I'm so hungry and uh, I don't even know how we got through it that seven days we all fasted and we all prayed and and um, and we were praying and we were fasting and it, it, it we made it through it and there was some enlightenment that happened even at a young age and then when I was a little older 16 or 17 we went on another long fast like that and 
and uh, Scott was in his first year of college. We were all fasting those days, and and um, the Lord the Lord opened up more things to me. Sometimes when I'm fasting, I can see things in the spirit. Most of the time when I'm fasting, when you fast especially the first few days, the impurities of your natural body start coming out. You have bad taste. You're, all those impurities are coming out of your, and you can taste them in your mouth in the morning. You brush your teeth many, many times a day and, and, um, and you, you feel, you know, your stomach is growling a little bit throughout the first couple of days. But it's also the same thing in your spirit. The first several days of fasting, uh, things are coming out in me and I, and I, think of things I wish I wouldn't be thinking about. And I'm wondering, Lord, I'm praying and fasting. Why do I feel so carnal and yuck and the words and the thoughts and the things? And, and that's the impurities coming out as you, as you fast. And the longer you fast, you're, you're shedding all those impurities and you're shedding all that stuff. And, and many times during the fast, the Lord reveals things to me that I have in my spirit, a old bitter moment or some grudge or something that was been laying dormant. It just uncovers that. I'm uncovering something during the fast. And then there are other times throughout that, those, those days where I see things in the spirit. One, one long fast, I was walking around and, and every time I opened up my eyes and looked at people, I saw things over their heads. I saw clouds. Some were, some were like accumulous beautiful clouds and others were dark, dark clouds, like a, uh, like a storm cloud. And, and uh, I, I tried not to think about it too much. And in, in days of fasting, I uh, sensitive to the Holy Ghost. It, it, it becomes addictive to me because I feel things in the Spirit and I want to feel that. Most of my fasting is my sacrifice before the Lord. I, I recall my parents, um, they never had anything during their many years, many, many 30 plus years of, of pastoring and ministry, uh, almost 40 years of that. And 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 the Lord has blessed us, and, and I feel like I'm riding so much on the sacrifices of my mother and father. And so my my sacrifice to the Lord is 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 found in my days of fasting. And and so I do that for myself, but there are other times I'm fasting for the sake of people. When I when I say that, I mean that I'm fasting so that I would have the word to say to the saints, to the people, because I'm hungry for God and I need the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I don't want to leave this out. If I leave this out, I do all of you a disservice. I do my family a disservice if I'm not fasting and praying because I know the nature of my heart is not good. You might think my heart is wonderful, but the, but Jeremiah said, beware, the heart is deceitful above all things. Your heart is desperate to do wicked things. Jeremiah 17 and 9. And if you're not fasting, you don't have yourself in control. you got to get yourself in control. The reason why people have road rage is because they never get themselves in control. The reason why people are angry and shaking their fist and walk around mad and ugly. The reason why people never smile and don't have any love for one another and no submissions because they never fast. They don't have their bodies in control. They have their minds in control. Now you'll, 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 you'll come down hard on a 15, 16 year old who's messing around with a boy or with a girl and you're saying, can you control yourself? Just think about that in your own life, in your own, your own body. It's okay not to eat. And to commit that time to God. It's okay. It's okay to tell a friend or someone, hey, I'm going on a fast, pray with me. Who knows, they may go on a fast with you. Sister Hudiger's brother, uh, Kenny, uh, was a new convert in our church. And, and uh, he wanted the Holy Ghost. And he so bad, he wanted the Holy Ghost so bad. And 
He would pray and pray and pray for the Holy Ghost. And he would do anything. He would just do anything uh, for anyone. And he, he was so tender towards God. And, 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 and I told him, I said, Kenny, I'll tell you what. How about you and I fast? He was much older than me. I was probably, I was probably uh, 16 or 17. And, and he might have been in his mid to late 20s or something. And, and he said, okay. I remember him. He bought a brand new cream-colored Mustang. It was, a, it was a beast. Man, that thing would fly. I remember my mother, on, on Mother's Day of all days, she said, oh, I, we ran out of ice. And she said, Jeffrey, would you and Kenny go get ice from Kroger? It was just three miles away. He said, we, we're going to go get it. And it had rained that night before. And the, but the roads were dry, but it rained hard the night before. And, and we needed ice. I can remember getting in the car with him. And he said, he said, let's just go. And I said, let's see how fast this thing can go, Brother Kenny. And, uh, and, 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 and he got that thing up to 90, and a police officer was coming the other direction. And, and you know, he was just a new convert and, and seeking for the Lord. And, and, and the police officer was coming, and the lights were on, and we knew we were busted. We said, oh, no. Oh, no, we're going to get a speeding ticket. And the police officer pulled in the median, and it rained so much that he got bogged down in the median. And and Kenny was going to pull over and go help him. I said, man, do not do that. Come on, we got to get out of here. What is wrong with you? <laughs> we got the ice, and on their way back, someone had pulled the cop out of the, out of the medium. I, I, we didn't get a ticket, but I, forgive him, Lord. He, he, he was speeding. It wasn't too long after that. It was like a couple of weeks after that. I said, let's go on a fast. We'll fast until you get the Holy Ghost. And we fasted. We fasted. And he just, he didn't get the Holy Ghost in the whole time. And then, and we just stopped fasting. And I, and I, I said, man, we, I, I got to eat sometime. You're going to get the Holy Ghost. So the week after that, he got the Holy Ghost. We were eating. So praise God. <laughs> Sometimes you just, you do whatever you can do. You just, you do everything you can do. If you're leaving out certain things, if you're not in the word, if you're not in prayer, these are your, these are your, your three routines. You give, you give because you want whatever you have to be blessed and sanctified, whatever is left. You give not just of your money, but your time because you want your other time to be productive. You donate, you volunteer. This is a church of volunteers. Volunteer. It'll help you. God will let you get more done with the time you have left. You pray because you have to have a communication with God. No one has a functional marriage and does not talk to their spouse. Right? I, okay, I think I just, I, I, I'm sorry. I think it just hit, I, I hit a hot button. Yes. If you're not talking to your spouse, you are, by definition, dysfunctional. <laughs> you got to talk. Talking is good. And if you want to have a walk with God, a relationship with God, you have to talk to him. You have to talk to him. And if you want to get in alignment with God, you have to crucify your flesh. And one of the best ways to crucify your flesh is to give up the things that you most covet and desire. If you can't watch me all, and, and, and I, I, sometimes we talk about young adults, but, but I, I was watching some people uh, today, I was somewhere, and, and I saw some folks, and they were glued to their phone, and I promise you that they were not young. I don't know how old they were, but they were not young. 
I, I pulled out of my, my neighborhood and, and, and once again, I saw it again. Some people on, on, on the steamroller fixing the road here on 46. And the moment they paused, the person on the steamroller just got out their phone. And then someone was yelling for them finally to come this way and they put their phone away and, and, how about go on a phone fast? Uh, here you go. How about a Facebook fast? And when the Facebook turns to meta, go on a meta book fast. Is it meta book or just meta? Whatever. How about going on a media fast? Listen, if I don't say the name right, know what I mean. Well, he didn't say Instagram. How about... <laughs> don't get smart out with me now. The Lord knows... <laughs> How about, how about go on a media fast? How many times have I told you, news is not the transfer of information anymore. It's an entertainment show to, to do something to your emotions. You might even feel better not knowing what's going on in New Jersey. Unless you have some great vested interest, which you do not. <laughs> Let me just help you. You do not. <laughs> Your interest is in your family. It's in your community. It's in the church. It's in the word. And sometimes you need to abstain a fasting and abstaining from things that you desire. Pick something this week and don't do it for a day that you normally would do and you want to do and you know it's not sinful, but you stop doing it for a day. You might say, well, I don't have anything but talking. Come on, Jesus. And finally, and I'm just about done here, your last is to move. Everyone say move. In the will of God. Now, I don't know if Paul meant it this way, but he said, proving that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I'm going to rearrange those words in the order that I, that I can understand them. Good, acceptable, perfect. I, I want to put acceptable number one, good number two, and perfect number three. Now, he might have meant that there, it's all the same thing, or he might have given us a clue that there are different wills of God or different levels of God's will. Let me ask, maybe I should say that. Different levels of God's will. It's God's will that you would worship and praise and give. This is, this is the will of God. In fact, the Bible says, in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God concerning you. So it's, it's always, that's a general will, give thanks. Some people want to know, what is the will of God for my life? Well, I think there's an acceptable will of God. That's the baseline. That's, that's obeying Hebrews 10.25. That's, that's being submissive in, in your tithing and in your offerings and in prayer, supplication, fasting. There's the goodwill of God where you're reaching for something beyond that. You know, you're going the extra mile. You're doing things that are not required of you. There's the perfect will of God. And I believe that that's a directional will where you find the direction. The, you're in the perfect will of God, which means that you are operating in the calling of God. Now, I, I can't unpack all that in, in, in two or three minutes, but I just want you to know that Fasting helps you move in the will of God. And the reason why I go back again is because it takes away the humanistic thought from your mind. And your humanistic thought is, is the most natural thing that you'll think. Human thoughts. You are a human. You think in humanity. 
You think according to your own desire. In fact, somebody, I mean, some people just think according to the lens of their most recent pain or injury or wound or hurt. So they see everything through whatever is clouding their vision. I'm not trying to psychoanalyze you. I'm just saying that oftentimes we respond to God and one another based upon the environment that we grew up or what has happened to us in our life. We're suspect of people. Or, or, or if we've grown up in a home that it was a lot of love and hugs, we think that everyone loves us and, and we're not aware that there are people that want to do us harm. Mm-hmm. But when you're fasting, it takes away the, the human side of that so that you can operate and move in the will of God. You want the will of God. Because when you are in the perfect will of God, nothing can harm you and there is, there is a peace and satisfaction, a contentment, an authority and a power that you want and that you need. Amen. This is my great desire. That I move in the will of God. That whenever I'm standing here or there, anywhere in this building, at home or in, or in the community, I'm walking in the perfect will of God. That in fact and indeed my steps are ordered of the Lord. Now, it was the will of God that you were here tonight. It is the will of God that you now search the scriptures to see if these things that I've told you are so. For these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, but they searched the scriptures to see whether or not the preacher was telling them the truth. So, if you want to know about fasting, here's your book. As Brother Scott laid it out last week, get in this book and this week, take each page, page by page, and figure out why you ought to fast. And then if it's a strict food fast, then donate some time to the Lord. If you want to add something that's even more challenging, then go on a media fast, a phone fast, or something that you desire and bring your body into subjection to the Holy Spirit. Amen. And all the people said amen. amen. God bless you. I'm so thankful. Please stand with me and we'll pray that the Lord will seal this lesson in our hearts. Now, Father, I pray tonight we, we investigate your word, even the things we think we know, we only know if we do them. So I pray tonight that you would help us let the Spirit be resident in our everyday life. Help us to bring our minds, our words, our bodies into subjection to your Spirit. I pray now, Lord, that you would help us. Grant us the desire and the follow-through. I pray, Lord, that out of this lesson tonight, everyone would take an opportunity this week to fast something that they naturally desire. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to become a spiritual people. We have to battle our flesh, Lord. You know this battle is heavy. So I pray, Lord, make us a spiritual people. Not judgmental. Not Pharisee-like. Not, not condemning. Help us to be meek, Lord. Loving, gracious, and kind. Lord, I pray that our own spirits would come in alignment with your spirit. And I pray every prayer in the name of Jesus. Everyone speak his name in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you. God bless you. I look forward to seeing you Sunday.